Well, whether you're the captain of your soccer team or head of a company or a parent, just keeping everybody together is a lot of the responsibility. Is it not just keeping people on the same page, keeping people getting along, moving the same direction? Sin divides. So what unites? Empires have come and gone. Centuries have lingered and and passed. Age to age, God unites his church because he builds up the body through spiritual gifts, through the gift of his spirit present with us and also each one having something to bring. A diversity of gifts, a unity of the whole. Spiritual gifts bring people together because they answer an important what question. Here it is. What am I called to do for others? From the Word of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 14. Hear God's Word this morning. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking of the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of many members, but of one. Let's pray together. Holy God, we bless your name this morning and pray that you would create in us clean hearts, ready to serve. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine a young woman receiving a gift like this in small packages. What do they say about small packages, right? And she says, um, you know, I just, I just want to keep it just like this. I love it just like this. You know, I'm not going to open it. You know, I, I, like, I like it just to work on my imagination. I just like, I like to wonder what's in there because, you know, I can open it up and be disappointed. But right now, I just, I just love it. Now, now imagine that it's a, the gift inside is a, a ticket to the show tonight. Or maybe it's a key to a car inside there. Or perhaps it's a diamond ring. 
Sometimes when I, when I look at the church, I, I look at the church and I see amazing things happening, but I also see untapped potential. Untapped potential. That until you begin to open this thing up, you might not know how you fit and what you have to bring to the whole. And so... The church, in some ways, is a, a sleeping giant with so much more potential. It's hard for me to see potential and not try to tap into it. And so this morning, let's consider, where do these gifts come from? What are they? And who are they for? Where? What? Who are they for? First, where do they come from? Well, they come from one and the same spirit. He says it over and over and over again. You cannot miss that point. I mean, he just keeps drilling it in because he's dealing with, Paul is dealing with a divided church. They're dividing over absolutely everything they can think of. And so he's saying, there are many, there are many gifts, but there's one source. And like e pluribus unum on our dollar bills, out of many, one. He's saying, just as these gifts come from one source, so they are positioned in the church with all, in all their range of variance for the building up of one body. One body, many members. He says, you were led astray by mute idols when you were pagans, right? You just, I mean, you just kind of, you almost see them spitting like, Pagans, right? You're pagans. You're led away by dumb idols, right? Okay, that means everybody had their own household gods and they're all just sort of focused on their own thing. I mean, we saw this kind of thing when we were in Cuba the last time, our Cuba team. We saw this, this, very, this very kind of practice that everybody had his or her own, uh, their own place and center of worship. And he's saying, but we call Jesus Lord by one spirit. It's the spirit that bears witness to us about that. He's reminding the Corinthian church that at one time they were all doing their own thing. And he tells them to be unified. Now, a few years ago, I, I told this quick little story. I'm going to tell it again. It's just this funny little story that puts the image in your mind before we start to explore the significance of it. And it's a story of a, of a pastor who goes to a guy's house who hadn't been in church for a while. And there's a roaring fire and he takes a coal out of the fire and he uh, it, it's burning hot. He sets it over to the side, and they sit there, and they talk about golf or whatever. And, um, and then at the end, he takes that coal that had turned black and cold, and he pulls it back towards his flaming friends, and he leaves. A couple days later, <laughs> that, that gentleman wrote him a note. He said, Pastor, I appreciated your fiery servant sermon. I'll see you on Sunday, right? Now, here's, here's the deal. Paul is telling us that we're many parts of one body, that we come together for light and heat. They're different parts, but the Spirit should unite us. And not even opinions, now here's where we're going, not even opinions about spiritual gifts should divide us. You heard him say, one, 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 right? Not even opinions about spiritual gifts should divide us. Now, what am I talking about? Some people's opinion is that the gifts of the Spirit continue to this day. They started 
at the cross. They started at, the, at, at, uh, at Acts 1-8, right, of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And they continue to this day. Others say that they ceased, that many of these gifts ceased at the apostolic age, at the close of, of the canon of Scripture, that some gifts were only intended to bring the Scriptures together, and then the Scriptures speak from there. Now you say, maybe you say, why would a Christian affirm something like hospitality and the gift of administration, but not prophetic gifts? Well, the answer is that until the Reformation, even rumors about miracles were used to manipulate people. Doesn't take much imagination to see then how locating the authority of revelation in one person can be unhealthy for the body of Christ. Somebody has a secret word from God or they just come up to you and tell you that that God told them to tell you something? The reformers of the 16th century drew lines, set boundaries with Scripture. They said, solo scriptura. You remember the solas of, of the Reformation? When you all joined the church, you probably learned about the sola, sola scriptura, sola fides by faith alone, sola gratia by grace alone. Sola scriptura is that, that scripture is our final rule, our ultimate authority of faith and practice. Uh, you say, well, does that discount that God speaks today? Does that discount that God speaks today? Well, people who hold this view... It's called the cessationist view. They would say this, God speaks today. He speaks through his word. They might even say with a hint of irony, how much has God said in his word that you're not even paying attention to right now? You want more? Y'all have gotten really quiet on me. I respect that question. And I think we need to respect that question. But there is another view, and the other view is called the continuationist view. You understand what that means? Continue is in the word, continuation. It's the idea that that those gifts that were poured out in Acts 1-8, that they continue to today. They say that even prophetic gifts and miracles continue. Most, but not all, pastors in the EPC hold this view of the full range of gifts, but with caution. The caution is largely what I just said a minute ago. How much are we paying attention and applying and obedient to what God has already said? And we must take care that anything that we claim as a church or as an individual is consistent with Scripture. So we, in the EPC, affirm the continuation perspective, but with caution, that Scripture is the final authority. And here's why. We just read it. Verse 3, no one says Jesus is Lord, but by what? By the Holy Spirit. No one has ears to hear that Scripture is an authority in their life, but by what? By the Holy Spirit. And so I think we should respect both views about spiritual gifts. The cessationists remind us to be grateful for what God has already given in his word. Now, I wouldn't want to think that because God didn't give me a miracle that I would just poo-poo everything he had given me. You know? I mean, I feel that all the time, don't you? The tension between what, 
the way I want things to be, and I begin to think that I can run the universe better, right? <laughs> and I have trouble running my own life, right? And so do you. I would not want to be caught ungrateful for what God has already given, what he's already said, what he's already done for us in giving us his word and the church and one another. So we should not regard supernatural events as validation for God's work. Always holding out for something fantastic, as though that were the only place where God were, were at work. God made everything. He made all things. He made every little atom in your body to function the way it does. Are we grateful for that? Are we wondering and, and awestruck at what he has already made? It's ridiculous to think that God is not at work through the natural processes and even our ability to discover them and to explore them. I mean, it's Christianity that opened up the whole world of science because it, it demythologized that there wasn't something lurking behind every rock and across the ocean of every wave. It opened up the human mind to say there is one God and God made all creation. And when he made it, he pronounced it what? Good. So I don't want to be guilty of ingratitude that considers God absent when he decides not to grant me a miracle. But the continuationists also remind us of something. You know what they remind us of? God is God. His ways are not our ways. There is mystery. And if we've got it all figured out and buttoned up and we've got everything exegeted, you might have missed something. In fact, you probably missed something. In fact, you missed something. The mystery. We live in an enchanted universe. Scripture is in our authority, but we need to keep high expectations that God loves to give gifts to his people. Isn't that a beautiful thing? So don't be indignant about your position, whatever it happens to be, you people who got so silent on me earlier. Don't be indignant about your position. And you cessationists, don't be indignant that you've got it, all your theology buttoned up. Remember the context. What comes next after 1 Corinthians 12? What comes next? The love chapter. And what does it say? You can have all knowledge. Cessationists, you can have all knowledge. Continuationists, you can have all gifts. But if you have not love, you are nothing. You don't have part of it. He says, nothing. So let's respect them both. So again, where do, where do gifts come from? One source, the Spirit, the Spirit of God. So what are spiritual gifts? Let's call them this. They are God-given abilities intended to bring people together, not single people out. All right? They're intended, yes, they're individualized, right? Each one different. Each one of you is different. I'm not going to open this one. All right, I'm sorry. Some of you all are going to need closure on this, and I'll tell you what's in here later. But each one of you is given a gift so that you'll fit into the whole for the purpose and the benefit of building up the body. 
Talents unite in common cause. Not to elevate, but to call people into service. Not to single out, but to bring together. Now, he says this. He says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same giver. Gifts are not just skills or something natural, some natural ability that you have, but they are God-given. They're not on demand, by the way. Not just on demand. We're on call for our gifts. Not just on demand. I feel that every week. Consider, though, natural abilities. Let's, let's just consider for a minute. When you're, you're wrestling with this whole category of spiritual gifts, consider just, let's just look at natural abilities as a comparison or a contrast for just a minute. Isn't there something otherworldly about them, too? About our natural abilities? About finely tuned skills? I mean, like the soloist who, after a concerto, takes a bow, right? Or the running back who dodges his way into the end zone and points to the sky. There's something right about that humility. It kind of says, you know, this, I can't take credit for all of this, right? I mean, that's what it says. I love that. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I mean, just the bow or the finger pointing that, that says, God's in this. You know, I, I worked hard, but these talents, there's something otherworldly, at least something bigger than me about the gifts. So even in natural talent, it's not all about you. Paul has this humility in mind, I think. When he's repeating this musketeer phrase, right? All for one, one for all. He says it three different times. There, there are many different kinds of service, but one God who gives it all. Many different kinds, a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. He says it three times. I don't know if that's where the three musketeers thing came from. Maybe so. All for one, one for all. Many gifts bring people together in common cause. Let's look at some specifics here. Healing, help, and service. Healing, help, and service, that brings people together in common trust. We don't always know what God is going to do. I remember some years ago when we started the healing service here, we would do it uh, quarterly. And uh, when we call it the healing service, not very many people came. So we started to call it praise and, and communion service. And all of a sudden, a lot of people came. Uh, we have to laugh at ourselves. Come on, y'all. I think people were nervous. Now, what's going to happen here? What's going to go on there? We don't know. We're just going to pray for people. We're going to sing a few songs. We're going to pray. We're going to have communion. And if, and if people have a need, we're going to come together in trust. We're not going to say, this person did that. We're just going to say, God loves to give gifts to his people. We're going to trust him. We're going to pray. One of my mentors in, in ministry, he's been uh, yeah, Presbyterian minister for 45 years, Calvinist just like me. And yet he said, when he got cancer, he said, Tim, no wimpy prayers, okay? No wimpy prayers. We're praying for healing. So we trust the results to God. We see what he does. Administration. Administration is another gift. It unites us in a common plan. It, it uses our brains and our, and our thinking, our foresight to bring people together. You know, I love this definition of administration because I have to do so much of it. It's called toward ministry. Toward ministry. I don't think I have the gift of administration, by the way. I wish I did. <laughs> but it means toward ministry. I had to convince uh, a friend of mine, Dan Stanley, who's a surgeon in, uh, 
in, in Chattanooga. He was an officer at Signal Mountain Presbyterian Church, and he wanted to do the thing, right? He wanted to serve. He wanted to go down and be the hero in the inner city. He doesn't mind me. I've told this story many times, and he doesn't mind me telling this story. But he said he wanted to go do the thing, and I kept telling him, oh, look, let's read this book together because your position is to get other people to do it, not to be the guy who does the thing, but, but who marshals people to do the thing, and then you multiply yourself into the lives of other people and watch what God does. Today, he's convinced administration is really a spiritual gift. Prophecy, exhortation, they bring to people together in common accountability. Let's talk about prophecy for just a minute. Hebrews 1 says that in earlier times, God spoke to us through the prophets and by various means, but in Jesus, he has spoken to us. In the latter days, he has spoken to us, what? Through his son, through his son. We're not writing any more scripture. So take care how you make claims about prophecy. Prophecy primarily in the New Testament is about holding people accountable to the Old Testament. It's about holding people accountable to what we've already understood. It's about holding people accountable to God's word. That's what prophecy is really all about. Uniting people in a common vision and application. So teaching discernment similarly brings people together in common understanding versus a cacophony of opinions, right? Like armpits, everyone's got opinions, right? Everyone's got them? They cause division. Teaching brings us together around our common authority so that we can, we can get what Paul's getting at, which is be one, be united, be together, come together. Bring what you got in all its beauty and variety, but be one. These are examples of spiritual gifts, talents to build the body of Christ, which is more than the sum of its parts. And maybe, you've, maybe you've seen a video just to convince you that, again, that we live in an enchanted universe. Have you, have you seen this video of a protein molecule walking a ball of endorphins down a filament in the brain. Have you seen this video? It blew me away. I thought, what is happening here? Is this for real? I mean, it's an animation of, of what uh, they, they can tell uh, how it works. And it's like, that's unbelievable. Where can I get more of those, by the way? I'd like to have more of those endorphins dragged around, you know? But uh, they tell me it's through exercise, but oh, oh well. But isn't it amazing the more that we explore the universe, how mysterious it continues to be? It's incredible. We live in an enchanted universe in plain sight. Nature gives us every indication that you and your gifts are part of a larger whole. And so that brings us to a final question. Who are these gifts for? Well, they're for the common good. And so much of what the church has to say to our age, it needs to say together, in union, for the common good. The Nashville church, Covenant Church, that experienced the horrific event about a month ago, a good friend of mine who's a part of that church says that the church across Nashville has never been more united. People are just showing up 
with their gifts. They're self-sorting. Now, <laughs> so even when things go wrong, people show up to care. That speaks more than anything else about what the church is and what seeds we have been sowing that bear fruit of unity for the common good. The witness of the church in Nashville has come at quite a cost. It always has. We discussed that word witness last week. Sometimes there's pain involved in bearing witness. But as Dr. Paul Brand notes, he says this, the health of a body depends largely on its attentiveness to the pain network. You get that? You see that? How important it is that you know that your toe knows next time to tuck itself in when you walk across the room and the furniture jumps out. Your furniture move like my furniture moves? So too with the church. When one part is in pain, the rest come together and you begin to see what's been there in plain sight all along. Many, but one. Our ultimate credibility hinges on this kind of unity. You say, I don't feel gifted. Well, you're in good company with Moses, okay? All right, is that good enough for you? You're in good company with Moses. He said, send Aaron, right? I mean, I can't even put a sentence together, Moses says. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. So how can you learn about your spiritual gifts? You can take a gifts assessment, and we can provide one for you. You can call the office, and we can order a 210 Project book for you, and you can take one there. They're all over the place online. But that's really just telling yourself what you think you're good at. I think there's a better way of finding out where your spiritual gifts are, and that is to plug in to ministry and mission, to get involved, and let other people begin to tell you. Tell you, hey, yeah, I might not do that again, or tell you, thank you so much for showing up with that. Let other people respond to what you have to, to bring, not for your gratification, but for God's glory and his goodness in and through us. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our Heavenly Father, how we thank you that you've called us not as individuals alone, but you've called us together. And I pray in the coming season that your, uh, your people in this place would see emerging in them a true call to your ministry and mission more clearly, more clearly expressed through their gifts and next week exploring even how our internal motivation brings clarity and focus. In Jesus' name, amen.